And so, with the cup held high, me the leave Croke Park, All-Ireland football champions for 1949. Oh, beautiful me, you've got all that I need. Dimpsey hits Davin Fay. Anthony Finnerty comes in and gives him a touch of the elbow. Colm Kyle hitting Finnerty. This is Colm's first punch. Finity delayed reaction, looks around, sees Martin O'Connell coming in and thinks that the best action is to go down. What a set of matches we've had. Four terrific and memorable games. Final score meets 2-10. Dublin, 15. So Joe McDonough, GA president, presents Sam McGuire to Graham Geraghty and meet of the football champions. Hello listeners and you're very welcome to another We Are Meat podcast with Mickey Brennan and Davey Rispin and uh, it was a busy weekend for our county teams apart from the hurlers who had a week off but the Camogues, the ladies footballers and the men's footballers were all out this weekend and Davey I suppose uh, will we get straight into it or will we talk about that beautiful uh, summer weather that we're having at the moment? It's good weather isn't it Mickey to be fair it's a it's uh, proper tanning weather now, um, and the, the next couple of days are to be good as well, I believe. So let's let's hopefully we get a bit of a run of it because it's been pretty miserable up to now. You're spending a fortune on baby oil at the moment, are you? Um, yeah, I yeah. am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the foundations have been laid, Mickey. So okay, yeah. okay, okay. Well, look, we'll we'll keep an eye on that tan over the next few weeks, and we'll try and get you a different light. For your uh, yeah, it's not doing me any justice, is it? Not doing you any justice, no. Like, and even when it's dark or no, it's not working, Davey. We'll uh, we'll figure something out with your lighting system, so we will over the next few weeks. Uh, we'll get stuck into it, Davey. On Saturday, the Camogues they were taking on Dublin. That was in O'Toole Park. And do you want to let me know where O'Toole Park is? O'Toole Park is in Crumlin. Um, bit of a mission to find it. I was actually at an LGFA launch in Summerhill on Saturday morning, and I betted across uh, via the M4 to Crumlin. And uh, you go into an estate, it's really weird. And like, it's one of these kind of old school estates where you crisscross and zigzag your way through it. And all of a sudden, uh, fabulous football grounds opens up in front of you. Um, really nice pitch. I believe it was the prior to Dublin, obviously getting the big influx of uh, financial backing. It used to be where their sort of center of excellence, to put it better, was. And uh, you know, it was used to have their meetings there and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, lovely venue, to be fair. Is there any big black Range Rovers uh, uh, lying about the area? I didn't notice any. I think they've emigrated from that area now. They've moved uh, on to bigger and better things. Yeah. Oh, the Notorious doesn't live there anymore, does he not? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I didn't know he lived there in the first place, to be honest. I, li- I thought he was in Minute, no? Uh, maybe he is now, but he's a, he's a Crumlin man originally, so I was right. just wondering if, if he got involved. But it, it ended up in a victory anyway for the Camogues, 12 points to Dublin's 8 points. Um, I think Dublin missed a penalty as well in the game. Mead missed the penalty too. Yeah, a tale of uh, two missed penalties, but I was going to say that Brendan Skeehan would have turned into the Notorious had uh, Mead not won this game, <laughs> Mickey. But uh, thankfully they did um, and, and thoroughly deserved. There's no question about it. Dublin, um, their eight points all came from freeze. They did not score from play in the game. Absolutely astonishing. Um, Mead were by far and away the better side, but couldn't really kill off the Dublin challenge. It was always sort of nip and tuck and um, it ultimately went down to the final moments of the game and that penalty towards the latter stages of it was crucial 
um, and it was pulled wide by um, Kira Mulholland who who hit the eight freeze for Dublin up to that point. So you would have been confident when she stepped up, but it was a really, really innocuous challenge that led to the penalty, Mickey. Soft penalty, to say the least. And I think justice was done in the ball going wide. Um, going back to the first half, Amy Gaffney had a really good penalty, stopped. It was, it was heading for the top corner. It was a great save by Sophie Brennan. But to be fair to me, gradually they got on top. Gaffney herself kicked or hit a couple of points. Um, Sinead Hackett was on the scoreboard. Megan Thine, who was absolutely outstanding and went down the road then to play with the ladies footballers who we'll talk about in a few minutes, 24 hours later. She was brilliant on Saturday for me, Camogie team. Um, and Aoife Minogue was her usual self with the freeze, which kept things ticking. Uh, Christina Troy contributed a superb point from play, um, as did Moira Kirby, who came off the bench and uh, hit what was the insurance point, the 12th point of the game. So, um, great win in a local derby and... and um, Without Jane Dolan as well, I have to say she she broke a broke her thumb in that game the week before against Westmead, massive loss. So to do it without Jane and also Claire Coffey, um, who was missing due to an ankle injury, was was extra special and extra sweet, I suppose. Yeah, and uh, you you mentioned it there, local derby. All of the games were local derbies because Mead had to play Westmead, Kildare, yeah. and Dublin. It was like a a mini a, a mini, a, a mini uh, a pale championship or something like that. And, and and it's been interesting because you've had, I suppose, in the in the ladies or in the men's football and the ladies football actually, you have mini Ulster championships going on in Division One and in Division Two of the ladies football and whatever. So this again was a huge one, but that win. Was was absolutely huge because Mead beat Kildare in the first round, lost to West Mead, beat Dublin, ended up on six points. For all intents and purposes, thought we were going in in second place, but Kildare p- pulled off the shock of the weekend, beating a very fancied West Mead team, and uh, beat them uh, in such a manner that they ended up on plus four points, the score difference, and Mead ended up in a plus six point uh, score difference, and that puts them through as table toppers in the group. Ah, astonishing. The calculators were very much out on uh, on Saturday afternoon because the word spread, obviously, before the Mead game had ended that um, that Kildare had got that win over West Mead, which kind of left things really up in the air and there was all sorts of permutations with score difference. But we came to the conclusion that Mead's score difference going into the game was strong enough, so a win would suffice, um, as, as it turned out. But full credit to Kildare because I seen them the first day against Mead and to, to say that they go on and win their next two games against Dublin and West Mead, you wouldn't have believed you. But they've done ever so well and really, really unlucky to miss out by just a solitary point to West Mead. So had they beaten West Mead by another point, they would have ultimately went through. Um, but yeah, their loss was obviously Mead's gain and, and Mead took full advantage and did what they had to do against Dublin. Um, not spectacular, but it didn't have to be. A win was all that matters, and they, they grounded out. And as you say, Mickey topped the group, which is brilliant. Yeah, and they're now true to a quarter final that'll be played next weekend. Davy, do we know uh, who they'll be playing in that quarter final next weekend? Yeah, they're going to be playing Kildare, uh, or sorry, not Kildare, Kilkenny. Kilkenny. Um, that's Kil- that's Kilkenny's second team. So they played Kilkenny last year in Navan. Um, could have been the last game prior to the pandemic setting in, actually. Um, they played them in Nav and beat them by a couple of points. It was a tight enough game. So they go forward to play them in the quarterfinal next weekend at, I believe, a neutral venue. Um, the game is going to be on Saturday. Time and venue to be clarified. But yeah, it is Kilkenny next Saturday in the quarterfinal. Yeah, so they ended up playing second in Group 3, which is Kilkenny, and uh, first in Group 3, which is Wexford, will be playing against Westmead in the quarterfinal. And the other quarterfinals, we'll see Galway taking on Antrim 
and Cork taken on down. But um, yeah, great, great win for Brendan Skeen and uh, and his Camogues. And uh, to hear full analysis of that game and to hear interviews with Brendan Skeen, the manager, and Megan Tyne, the the in-four player on the day, um, head over to our Loyal Loyals pod ser- podcast service on Patreon forward slash We Are Mead and you will get those um, interviews and a full uh, review of the game in the next couple of days. Davy, sticking with the ladies, um, this time we're moving to the footballers and uh, the ladies footballers had to travel to Wexford after being beaten by Kerry last week um, and uh, to say that they uh, put in a performance would be uh, an understatement. They ended up winning this game 7-17 to 5 points. And at one stage uh, in the game, it was seven goals and nine points to a point. So Mead really ran the riot act on Wexford. And Wexford getting their first score of the game on the 27th minute of the first half. Yeah, Mickey, the Mead led by six points, six eight to a point at half time, um, courtesy of four goals in the first half from Stacey Grimes, an absolutely astonishing return from her. But um, yeah, I think this is the kind of game we were crying out for last week, to be honest, which it Kerry was a real baptism of fire. But I think going down uh, going down south, the pressure was probably on me a little bit to get a result because it's very much like the lads, the group, you know, you're in with three other teams and you need to win two of your three games to be assured of a place in the knockout stages. And Mead went down there and they did what they had to do, comprehensive enough. I think Wexford coming off the back of a defeat to Clare last week. Probably if you're following the form guide from last year and Mead beating Clare in the semi-final in the intermediate, it sort of matches up. But I don't think anyone could really have envisaged the margin of a victory. Um, I think Mead had 12 or 13 scores on the day as well. Huge spread. Um, and a really good morale boost and win for them as they go into what is now a do-or-die game against Clare um, next Sunday. Yeah, and um, that win puts Mead into second place, as Davy said. Score difference is is way ahead of anybody else in the group. So if they were to draw with Clare, they will go through. Um, but obviously they'll 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 be looking for the win. Kerry are top in the group at the moment with two wins from two, Davy. And um I I I I was commentating on uh on League Division two B. Uh, on Sunday or, or today or yesterday, whatever you're listening to this podcast, and um, I, it's the all Ulster um, teams that I was talking about. You have Cavan, you have um, Monaghan, Armagh, and Tyrone, and you know Cavan looking like a very strong team in that division. Obviously, as I said to you off air, they've been in I think three of the last four finals, League Division Two finals. So um, and with their new management. I suppose you'd probably want me to be avoiding them in the semi-final if at all possible. Yeah, but it looks like if it's going to go to script that Baron, uh, an astonishing turn of events, that Kerry will beat Wexford and finish top of the group next week. Yeah. All going well, Mead will beat Clare or draw with Clare and get through in second place. And as you say, if Cavan hold their end of the bargain at the other group, it's going to be a Mead and Cavan... Um, semi-final which would be great in one sense and I, I know I know what you're saying Kevin are flying and their team of huge experience at the ladies level but you know Mead are going into senior football this year for the first time in a long time and you want to be pitting yourself against yeah. the, the better teams in the country so to speak and we've got two of the best teams going in Tipperary and Cork in the championship so I, I don't think Eamon Murray will shy away from too many challenges and 
look at if you want to if you want to win the league or if you want to get promoted in the league, you have to beat teams of the caliber of Cav and Kerry, Monaghan, as you say. So, yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to that if and when it comes up. But there's a huge test ahead of them um, next week. And that Clare team that Mead beat last year, what, about six, seven months ago in the semi-final of the All-Ireland, um, they'll be still stinging from that and, and the beating they took that day. And they'll want to prove a point when they come to Navan next Sunday evening. Yeah, absolutely. And we wish uh, Eamon Murray and the... Ladies footballers, the very best luck. Obviously, the Camogues and the footballers and the hurlers have played, or sorry, and the, the Camogues and the, the men's footballers have played all their group games. There's one group game left for the ladies footballers in uh, the National Football League Division 2A. And again, it's against Clare next weekend. And we are hoping that they can get the victory there and propel themselves through to a semi final. And as Davey said, take on whoever the, the uh, and worry about whoever they're going to meet in the semi final at that stage. Um, Moving on again, Davey. So, the men's team had qualified for um, the, sem- the semi-final of the league uh, with their win last week over Down. And uh, I-, I suppose this game against Mayo on the weekend was, for all intents and purposes, a, a dead rubber. But obviously, there was still a lot riding on it. Um, top spot in the group was up for grabs. Um, both teams made a lot of changes. I think Castle or, or Mayo uh, made seven changes to, to their starting team in Castlebar, and then Mead, who looked like they were only going to make two changes, ended up making eight changes prior to the start of the game. And you know, got a lot of players onto the field that hadn't seen any game time this year. Yeah, it was Bedlam uh, in the minutes leading up to throw and Mickey trying to note all the changes and the numbers and the changes and numbers. It was mental, but. Uh, yeah, look, I think we envisage plenty of changes and one way or another we got it. Um, to be fair to Mayo, it was quite a strong team. They still had the likes of Killian O'Connor, Lee Keegan, uh, German O'Connor. Um, you know, there was Matthew Ruban. O'Shea. O'Shea, come on, yeah, for his, for his first appearance, I think, as well. Um, and, and look good. So it was a strong Mayo side, to be fair. Probably stronger than me than... I think that was the difference in the first half. They sort of blew me the way with their physicality and their, their strength and depth. Mead made three wholesale changes at halftime, bringing on three of the more experienced players in Paul and Shane McAtee and Donald Kyogen. And that made a huge difference. Mead won the second half, I suppose, by a few points as well, which showed kind of how much of an influence those guys had. But going back to the point you made, like eight changes, there was some first starts for the likes of Jack Flynn, Dougie Dillon, um. Uh, there was there was one more as well. Jack O'Connor Bre- came in from Bre- the start as well. And, and Bre- Bre- Conlon. Yeah. 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 So like those guys and Harry Hogan, of course, and goals. Yes. Um, you know, first first ever taste of intercounty football for me as well. So um great to get him on the pitch too. Um but yeah, look at it. It was a very experimental side by by Mead and um I think Andy will be pleased enough by how they rallied in the second half. It wasn't looking great at halftime. I won't lie to you, Mickey. And you were probably saying to yourself, Jesus, you know, this could this could get progressively worse. And Mead, at various different times in the second half, Mickey, were playing with 13 men. At one stage, we had yeah. two black cards in the one sort of 15-minute period where Owen Harkin and Conor McGill, two from our full back line, were sitting on the line beside each other. And Mead really acquitted themselves quite well in that time. And then they finished with 13 men because Brian Menton went off injured and so did Eamon Wallace. And we had used all of our seven subs. So we finished with 13 men. But overall, it was a gutsy second half display for Mead, which they dug in and um, they gave a decent account of themselves. But ultimately, the, 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 the overall strength and depth, I suppose, in the Mayo rank showed on the day. 
Yeah, and the experience, I suppose, of those players. It was in Castlebar. Mayo ended up winning this one with a scoreline of 317 to 212, um, you know, a 26 to 18, an eight-point victory for um, Mayo. And, you know, a gutsy performance in that second half. Uh, something that we kind of predicted a few weeks ago, uh, I haven't spoken to Andy, was that the one and only Mickey Newman would get some game time maybe this week. He came on in the second half, kicked four points, three from play and one from or three from freeze and one from open play. Yeah, he was brilliant. He, he looked really, really sharp. Uh, came on with about 20 minutes to go. Um, gave us a little bit more impetus and authority in that full forward line. Really took the fight to them. I, I, I was... I was pleasantly surprised by how well he was moving for a guy that's coming off the back of playing no football for the last nine months, we'll say, having a hip operation and a series of other injuries as well. Um, Absolutely brilliant to see him back. I think he's going to be, you'd imagine, in contention now for a start in two weeks' time in that semi-final, the the impact he probably gave. Um, The three frees, the point kick from play was just classic Mickey Newman, about 45 yards out at an angle, classic score. Um, But yeah, I just thought he gave us a little bit more or something that maybe we were missing up to that point in there, a bit more kind of uh, authority or strength, shall we say, and leadership as well. So yeah, let's let's get him in there and let's get him in with the likes of um, Jordy Morrison. I I think you could have a a frightening and uh, exciting prospect on your hands. Yeah, he, he 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 did well. He was still a little bit rusty. He had a few wides or whatever as well, uh, or missed opportunities. As you said, Jordy Morris there as well didn't feature at all today. No, there was a number of players, Mickey. Um, now, all of the, the players, to the best of my knowledge, were at the game, but there was a whole host of them not togged out. I believe there was only 22 players togged out. So the seven subs that were all togged out came on, including Liam Byrne, the goalkeeper. He came on for the last 15 minutes in place of Harry Hogan. Um let me just run through it. So uh, Ethan Devine wasn't tugged out. Um, Ronan Ryan wasn't tugged out. Um, Matthew Coslow didn't tug out. Killian O'Sullivan, Thomas O'Reilly, Jordan Morris, uh, Bryony McMahon. Um, I'm trying to think of another one or two. That's that's pretty much seven or eight of the players who have featured heavily in the first two games did not even tug out. So they were given a bit of rest. And Andy Colgan as well, who was carrying a slight knock from, from last week as well. He was obviously not risked. And it gave... Harry Hogan and indeed Liam Byrne, a taste of uh, intercounty football. Yeah, and, and and that loss still sees me go through in second place into the semi final, and that means that we have set up a beautiful encounter with our near neighbours um, and torn our side down through the years. But in the last couple of years, we probably had the better of them. It is of course Kildare. Looking at their group, uh, Division Two South, it was uh, Kildare, Clare, and Cork all ended up on four points, and uh, Kildare score difference saw them through uh, as table toppers and Clare uh, with a score difference of plus nine edging Cork into a relegation battle from Division 2, Davy Rispin. So um, Clare will take on Mayo, Mead will take on Kildare for a right uh, uh, to, Mead, uh, to, to, uh, to for a right for a place in the final and uh, but bigger than that for a place in Division 1 for next year. Absolutely, Mickey. I think I can reveal here and now that there will not be a Division Two league final this year. Um, now, I'm going on the assumption that Clare and Mayo are both in championship action on the 26th of June. They play their Connacht and Munster quarterfinals respectively on those dates. 
which one of them is going to be in the final because they play each other yeah. in the semi-final. So that would tell me that there's not going to be a league final. So the league semi-finals is effectively the final. As we've said all along, because it's ultimately about promotion. Cup would be nice in the final, but it, it's not going to happen. Finals are only going to happen where counties aren't playing until the start of July. So in, in the case of Clare and indeed Mayo, they're both out on the 26th of June. So I think we're safe in saying now there's not going to be a league final. But just, just going back to your point there on that group, like it was mad because Cork actually beat Clare today by a point but it wasn't enough for them they needed to be Clare by a couple more points that would have done Clare out of the spot and got Cork in and Kildare courtesy their 13 point win over Leash gets them not just in the in the semi-finals but to top the group and I was listening to Jack O'Connor coming home on the radio Mickey and um, you know they were asking him about where, where Kildare are at and how the league has gone for him and everything and obviously the mean and Kildare game is going to be a toss-up for who gets home advantage Yeah, and he was talking about Newbridge and how it doesn't suit Kildare because you know they played Clare there and Clare were really defensive tight pitch he's all about a kicking style which he's been trying to implement for some time now now, I don't know if he just wants to hand us the game and Nav and we'll happily accept it and take it. But by the sounds of it, he's not overly eager about playing in Newbridge either. So I think, I think regardless of where this game is, I think me will be quietly confident going into it. And as you say, having won the last two games in league and championship against Kildare should stand Mead in good stead. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as you said, that uh, will be a coin toss for venue. There is, uh, it's, it's either home or away. I know that the... They did discuss maybe having them um, in neutral venues, but then the GEA decided that they didn't want two teams traveling to uh, uh, a, a random uh, pitch between the two counties and having that amount of people um, crossing borders and stuff. So they said it would be better to have one team traveling to the other. So it's going to be a, a coin toss for home advantage in that one. And uh, yeah, it's a wet mouthwatering tie. And as you said, there's no trophy going to be available, so there's going to be no league final, which will mean that the winners of the two semi-finals will be joint winners of the division. That's how it is working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's all down to the next game promotion and, and a straight shootout with Kildare. It's a uh, it's a great prospect and, and one that I think will relish. Um, Obviously, Clare will, will fancy their chances too against Mayo. It's a great opportunity for Clare to have a crack at Mayo to try and get Division 1 football too. So there's been a huge amount of excitement around this league. And I know at the start it was kind of criticised with how it might pan out and everything like that. But I have to say on the main, Mickey, it's been brilliant. And there's been very few dead rubbers. Obviously, in our group today, there was purely because of how it was decided going into it. But look at the other group today. It was really, like even we, we talked about last week, Leash. I, even though we knew they wouldn't they still had a chance of getting yeah, out of the group you know 24 hours ago so it, obviously that didn't materialise and they finished rock bottom but yeah interesting couple of weeks ahead yeah there really is and, and we're really looking forward to it um, and as soon as we get the the, date, the time and date for that uh, venue it's going to be on either the 12th or 13th of June and uh, as soon as we get the venue for it and the time for that we will be putting it out on our social media and we really are looking forward to it. It's just, it's, exa- it's, it's, it's championship football. That's what it is. And it's the time of the year for it as well. Lush, beautiful grass shouldn't be limited to GA pitches. At Husqvarna, we have the perfect solution. Silently say goodbye to hours wasted manually mowing your lawn, replacing it with the near silent cutting of a Husqvarna automower. Smart home compatible, and if that isn't your cup of tea, auto more from your phone. 
Automore also brings new meaning to green fingers, producing no direct emissions. If we've caught your ear, contact PR Coin and Sons, your authorised Automore dealer, on 046 955 1910 or in store in Clonard, County Mead. Um, not only have we the excitement of all this football at the moment, but we have the excitement now of the club football in Mead starting and the draws have been done for all of the cup competitions, which is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, Mickey, thanks be to God. I know we've been crying out for this for a number of weeks now and uh, thankfully the county board have come up trumps in the last week by revealing the first round draws um, and and the start date, I think, of... uh, potentially the 9th of June, which I think is a Wednesday after the bank holiday. So something to look forward to, Mickey. Yeah, it's only a, it's only a week and a half away now at this stage. And uh, I suppose we'll run through the, the cup draws. The draws for the Fesh Cup, are, We what we'll do is we will, next weekend on our podcast, we will run through all these fixtures again and we'll give predictions. And they will be completely blind predictions based on last year, because we have seen nothing, obviously. We haven't been going around the, the, all the venues, checking out uh, the training sessions. So it'll be literally uh, just tr- like pulling them out of a hat, TV. So in the Fesh Cup, in Group like A... Like it always so, is. <laughs> exactly. Uh, in Group A, there's two groups in the Fesh Cup, two groups of eight. And in the first group, the first game up there is Dunshockland against Minalvi. And Gail Column Kill will take on Dunhamore Ashburn. Same Peter, they'll have to do that without their county players. How will they? St- oh God, they'll struggle along with that one. Um, St Peter's Dunboyne are taking on Summerhill, and Navin O'Matneys are taking on Curraha. David Rusman been having a laugh there. He's after getting my joke. I think about Gail Colum Kill having to play without their county players. Uh, in Group B, we'll see Nafina taking on Centreson, Rathout taking on Simonson, Wolf Tones taking on St Colum Kills, and Balnabracky will be taking on Screen. Is it Screen against Balnabracky or Balnabracky against Screen? Do you know, Davy? Because I, I, I presume, so. yeah, because that, that's obviously home. very important. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it it's is. a home fixture for somebody. And as Kevin Coyne said to me uh, during the week, he's looking forward to uh, seeing Simonstown having to travel to Offaly. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah, it's a, it's a scary prospect. Are you in that group? Yeah, yeah, that Simonstown yeah. are in that group. Yeah, yeah, they are indeed. So um, we'll figure out if uh, Balnebrack. That, that game is in screen, by the way, Mickey. That's in screen. So I'd say at this stage, Kevin Coyne and all the lads are probably making their way from Balnebracky for that game in 10 days' time against screen. Um, they've all had to take holidays as well. Uh, in the Cornabonia, Group A is Mead Hill versus Beliver. There's three groups in this, uh, in the um, Cornabonia, because of the fact that there's 20 teams in uh, intermediate. So Group A, Mead Hill versus Beliver. So um, that's a nice tasty one there. Beliver up from Junior Championship and Mead Hill um, with new management there and uh, with a lot of players making a huge effort as well, I believe. Ballinock taking on Nobber. Again, Nobber relegated from Senior Championship. Uh, St. Michael's will take on Sidden. That's Group A. Group B, St. Pat's versus Clonmagale. Rathkenny versus Blackhall Gales. Waterstown versus Dulique Bellaston. Davy Rispin, what a group. Yeah, I, I like that one. I think the Pats and Clannagale game is is tasty. Um, and Rakenny and Blackhall Gales, they'll be two of the teams to watch this year in the Intermediate Championship. That'll be a great one, as will Waterstown and the big Bellies <laughs> two sides. Yeah. Who certainly, yeah, that's a really tasty group, Mickey, yeah. Yeah, it really is. And like, like the, look, the whole Intermediate Championship and all these groups in the Cornabonia, 
they're, they're just full of quality. You, you just can't pick winners. Oldcastle versus Moyla, Dundery versus Kilmainham, um, Drumbara versus Trim, and Longwood versus Bective in Group C, Davy. So nice few uh, tasty ones in that group too. Yeah, the Oldcastle Moyla one, massive yeah. local derby there. That'll be great. Uh, Dundry versus Kilmainham, a rematch at the Intermediate Championship, uh, first round from last year where Kilmainham yeah. stunned Dundry. So there'll be a little bit of um, payback on the on the cards for Dundry. They'd like to think, um, and Longwood and Bechtel like the look of that one as well. Yeah, and Drumbarra and Trim, both with new management teams as well, with a point to prove after last year. So um, that will be yeah, two former teammates clashing on the line, two me <laughs> teammates, yeah. Queen McKing and Kevin Riley. Absolutely, that'll be an interesting one. See who's got the. It'll be a battle of the tactics that day. So, well, and then finally in the junior uh, competition, the Talton Cup, it's Castledown versus Minalty, Dunsany versus St Bridget's, Carneros versus Kilbride, and Cortown versus St Ultons. No, sorry, St Vincent's versus St Ultons. Oh, I'd love if it was Cortown, but again, nice tasty group there as well, Davy. Yeah, uh, Castletown and, and Minolte sort of jumps off the page at me there. Um, Karen Ross as well. And yeah, Karen Ross and Gilbride will be good. St. Vincent's and St. Ultons, that was the Talton Cup final from two years ago when St. Ultons beat St. Vincent's courtesy of a last-minute goal. Um, St. Vincent's obviously reeling from their defeat in the junior final last year as well. So that'll be a good game. Yeah, and St. Bridget's who made great strides last year up against Dunsany and uh, that could be a tasty affair for a first day out as well especially Dunsany have many on the county panel one is it? Yeah Owen Harkin is on the yeah, county Owen panel Harkin, right? so and they have a couple of hurlers as well Shane Brennan is on the hurling I'm not sure how that'll work but so you'd imagine he wouldn't bit. be able to Yeah they could be depleted uh, for that game um, and then in uh, Group B it is St Paul's versus St Mary's Slane versus Cortown, a repeat of last year's championship uh, Group 1 game. Battle I think Royale. It was, uh, <laughs> Battle Royale. Kilmainham Wood versus Drumcondrick. Uh, nice local derby there. And then Boards Mill versus Clannard. And again, you know, in fairness, Davey, you've got the nicer side of the group. Yeah, I think that could be seeded, Mickey. I think the junior has been seeded based on last year's um, standings in the championship. So the way I think they've done it is the top two from each group have gone into group A and the bottom two from each group have gone into group B. I think the fact that they're bringing St. Paul's back into it, that's probably the reasoning behind it as well, is to try and get them involved and play at a level. And, and also Clonard and Drumcondra, who didn't have the best of years last year, shall we say. Um, so, yeah, but they're still they're like Slane, for example, um, came up last year, did ever so well at Junior A. And yeah. um, Kilmaine and Wood are always a very tricky side. And Boards Mill, who despite not winning the game last year, were superb. So, that's absolutely a few yeah. tough games in that, yeah. Yeah, and Boards Mill have one on the county panel as well. Danny Dixon, Danny yeah, Dixon. yeah, yeah, come on, so, yeah, today. Yeah, and Cortown will be full compliment uh, for their uh, for their no uh, no county mentor report of just yet, <laughs> <laughs> just yet. I like that. Then in the hurling in the Davis Cup, um, we're going to have uh, two groups. It's Killian versus St Peter's and Boyne, Kiltail versus Kildaki. Nice one there. Blackhall Gales versus Trim, and then we have Longwood versus Rathout in Group B. Nafina versus Kilmesson and Clonmacgill have a bye. There's only five in the second group, Davy. Um, so again, looks like a nice, tasty uh, 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 Davis Cup there as well in the hurling. 
Ah, yeah, Kilda- Kiltail versus Kildaki will always jump jump off the page at you. I love the way they've kept Trim and, and uh, Ratoth separate because they're obviously <laughs> going to meet in, yeah, their, in the... the 2020 senior final. So yeah. they haven't put them in the same group. They've resisted the temptation. But I was actually talking to someone today and they said, don't you know when the draws for the championship this year are going to be made, that Ratoth and Trim are 100% going to come out against each other. So they'll be playing <laughs> each other in two weeks. But yeah, yeah, some nice games in there. Yeah, absolutely. Then in the Billy Byrne Cup, Group A, it's Drumree versus Kildalki, Gail Colin Kill versus Trim, Dunamore Ashburn versus Dundry. In Group B, Rathmullion versus Wolf Tones, Navin O'Matneys versus Boards Mill, Kalyan uh, versus Kilskier Moila. I think that is um, Boards No, that is Boards Mill first team. And then the Donal O'Lunchig uh, Cup, it is. There's three groups in this Kiltail versus Kilmessing, Rathod versus St. Peter's and Boyne, Nafina get a bye. Um, St. Peter's and Boyne versus Ratmaline in Group B, um, Rathod versus Kiltail, Clannagale versus Boards Mill. And then in Group C, it is Kildaki versus Dundry, St. Pat's versus Dunamore Ashburn, and Kilmessing versus Drumree. And Davy Rissman, how good does it feel to be talking about uh, fixtures for clubs coming up in the next few weeks? <laughs> <laughs> fixtures <laughs> no it's, it's great well, I, hope, and, and I, I hope that's fixtures that you're smelling <laughs> yeah well we're obviously a good bit away Mickey so no. um, yeah look at it it's brilliant it really is it's been a long time in the waiting and I know teams have been angling towards this for the last few weeks and the way it is games can only resume from the bank called the Monday which is the seven. so I'd imagine in most cases Teams aren't even going to have the opportunity to play a challenge match. So this is going to be their first real outing on the 9th, which I believe is the Wednesday. Um, and I think all, all these cup games are going to be midweek because the Premier Championship is going to start towards the end of June. And yeah. those games are going to be played at the weekends. So to give clubs a little bit of a chance to recover, and there's going to be a crossover, obviously, with some clubs as well. They're going to be playing their first team games midweek. Premier games on the weekend and then the hurling will also kick in as well so I think they're going to be fixed in for the weekend too so yeah fascinating few weeks ahead um, looking forward to it Mickey Lush beautiful grass shouldn't be limited to GA pitches at Husqvarna we have the perfect solution silently say goodbye to hours wasted manually mowing your lawn replacing it with the near silent cutting of a Husqvarna automower smart home compatible and if that isn't your cup of tea Automore from your phone. Automore also brings new meaning to green fingers, producing no direct emissions. If we've caught your ear, contact PR Coin and Sons, your authorised Automore dealer, on 046 955 1910 or in store in Clonard, County Mead. Davey, we will move on now to the club lottos. I presume all of the PROs have got their um, jackpots into you. Yeah, they have indeed, Mickey. They've uh, had the benefit of being a little bit later of a start this evening, so an influx of them have come on late on. But one that's been in good and early was Alan O'Connor in Karaha. 2,600 euro of a jackpot. The next draw takes place on the 31st of May, which is tomorrow night, Mickey. Um, they had no winner last ones, but last week, sorry, but they had um, match three winners who were Eugene Ward, Rosaline White, and Sean. Um, you can play that one on the Curaha website. Um, Dunshockland and Royal Gale still going strong at thirteen thousand euro. Their reserve increases to ten thousand eight hundred this week. Um, their next draw takes place tomorrow night, which is Monday, live on Facebook at eight thirty p.m. They had. 
seven match three winners last week who all collected 30 quid each. The winning numbers were 11, 16, 19 and 25. They're getting a great tune out. They're like, oh, um, you can play that one on Club Force. Manalvi GFC, uh, they're also getting a tune out of theirs. It's currently capped at 10,000 euro with the reserve increasing to 5,400 euro this week. Monday night, and you can play online at Manalvi GFC or on the Club Force app. The three 20 euro winners from last week were Janet Glenn, Martin Wilden and Melda Mitchell. Next one up is Slane GFC. They're starting from scratch again at €1,000. And thankfully for them, their €1,000 jackpot was not won for two weeks on the trot. So they roll on to €1,000 and 25 quid of a jackpot for this week. And thanks to the support, both in envelopes and in the Club Force app, spot prizes are available for collection in Smith Shop. Uh, You can get involved by playing on the Club Force app. They've all said our attention turns to the May 50-50 draw after Paul Murray scooped. 1,185 euro in the April jackpot. They've given away over 11,000 euro in 10 monthly draws to date and they're growing month on month. Um, you can enter via the Club Force app as well for that one. Um, Drew Conrad GFC, 8,900 euro of a jackpot. It takes place on Tuesday nights. So you can play online via the Smart Lotto app or you can drop the envelopes into the Clubhouse post box. Dunsany, 5,550. Draw takes place on Saturdays. Um, and they've just updated that to say it's 5,700 euro. Um, Sean Cummins and Simon Kennedy share 150 quid each um, for their lucky dips. My own Corto GFC, 6,200 euro of a jackpot. We have a retro jersey to be given away every week. Um, you can play that one on cortoandga.com forward slash lotto every Friday night, live on Facebook, 10 p.m. Gil Conkill capped at 12,000 euro, which it will remain for next Thursday night. Um, Lisa Reddy and Francis Clark shared 150 euro between them for collecting match three um, in last week's draw. Kilmainham GFC 5,900 euro every Monday night. Navan O'Mahony's their draw takes place on Tuesday night um, 6,500 euro even. Uh, the winning numbers were 18, 19, 20 and 28. Um, they had no jackpot winner, but Michal Riley was a match three winner. Um, they, had, they had no jackpot winner. No, apparently. Sur- surprise, surprise. <laughs> I'll, I'll come think? to Simonstown in a minute, Mickey. <laughs> Jelly's, Jelly's not happy with you either. <laughs> um, Ballon Lock GFC, 3,000 euro. Next draw takes place on Monday the 31st at 9.30pm. Oldcastle GFC is capped at 12,000 next Wednesday. Play that on Club Force. Minolte GFC still going. Their jackpot takes place Sunday nights at 9 p.m. and it remains at 15,000. Ballinabraki, 5,100 euro of a jackpot plus a 1,500 bonus ball. You can play online via the Club Force app every Monday night. They had a good few match three winners John Belton, Marta Gannon, Dara Daly, Darren Bannon, and Aidan and Joan Coffey. Um, all online and uh, they all shared the match three um, split. Drumara GFC every Monday night at 9pm live on Drums TV. Tomorrow night's jackpot is €3,100. You can play online via Club Force. Um, lovely graphic coming in from Castletown GFC. Thanks to Sarah McMahon there. A jackpot of €2,000 on the button. Next draw takes place on Tuesday, the 1st of June at 9pm. You can enter the Blotto draw online via Castletown GFC. They had one, two, three, four lucky dip winners who collected 30 quid each. They were Jenny Byrne, Connor Price, Jerry Morris, Thomas McKeown, and Johnny Carlin. So there was five, sorry. Um, Black Hole Gales, 
5,800 euro of a jackpot draw takes place tomorrow night, um, May 31st. And the final one on my list, unusually this week, Mickey, is Simon's Town Gales. And he says, tell Brennan he's slipping up. Um, jackpot of 5,950. Um, the match three winner last week was Patrick Faulkner. The winning numbers were 1, 4, 8 and 31, Mickey. 31. Yeah, 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 yeah. Simonson's lotto goes as far as 31. Uh, Matley's goes to 32. That's what it is. Um, he, I, yeah, he must have texted me um, on my phone. I don't have my other phone with me there now at the minute. Um, and I didn't reply to him. But then again, last week I had to text him during the podcast. And he told okay. me he told me uh, that he was so hungover he had forgot to uh, to get in contact with us. So, like, I'm not taking that from Jenny. You know what I mean? Like, so... Uh, I'll, I'll meet him on the street and I'll let him it's that. bad enough you're falling out with Avon O'Matties don't be falling out with yourselves Mickey's have to stick together in these turbulent times yeah, oh look don't worry me and Jelly will be fine but you know that's the, that's the way we deal with things in Simonson head on you know what I mean you get you clear the air and, and you move on that's the way we do it but uh, yeah so I had that as well uh, the, the Simonson lot of 5,950 approaching 7,500 and I think we're the best take there that was coming from Colin O'Brien was that Simonstown have on their uh, clubs app that the the lotto will be capped actually at seven thousand five hundred. Uh, Simonstown again are um, urging people to do the lotto online. We wouldn't have the same um, amount of people as most clubs doing doing the online lotto, and it is something that we are trying to push. So anybody out there who um, can do the Simonstown lotto, please go online and do it. You can do it through the clubs app. Or you can go on any of their social media pages and you'll get the link on that as well. I have one more and it is the Central Town Lotto. It's a massive €10,000. Um, you can do that through Smart Lotto or again, go to the club social media, um, any of the Central Town uh, social medias and you'll find the link for the Lotto there. And their um, Lotto takes place every Monday night. So, uh, Davey, there's lots of big, big jackpots out there. We haven't had a winner, I don't think, since the Navan O'Matley's one, have we? No, Slain was the last one there last week, Mickey. Um, oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. So there, you're, you're right, there is some massive jackpots. The old the old uh, reliable still remain in Manalvi, Dunshockland, Minalty. Um, mm. They're still massive and still really up over the 10,000. And Oldcastle as well is another massive one too. And most and of you- them are caps, so there's very few of them still sort of growing, if you will. Yeah, and, and the thing about it is you can see that they are getting huge numbers doing their lottos because when there's, they all do uh, a certain amount of money, like 200 euro for match trees to be split amongst the world. There's always like eight or 10 match trees on their lottos, which just shows you that there's a huge amount of people doing them. So um, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. And keep doing them guys, because somebody's going to take away one of them big. Lush, beautiful grass shouldn't be limited to GA pitches. At Husqvarna, we have the perfect solution. Silently say goodbye to hours wasted manually mowing your lawn, replacing it with the near-silent cutting of a Husqvarna Automower. Smart home compatible, and if that isn't your cup of tea, Automower from your phone. Automower also brings new meaning to green fingers, producing no direct emissions. If we've caught your ear, contact PR Coin & Sons, your authorised Automower dealer, on 046 955 1910 or in store in Clonard County Mead. 
Davey, Instagram Interactive, and I'm sure you've got you've got a few after today's game. Yeah, um, the there's a big reaction here, and, and Mickey Newman dominates the Instagram Interactive, Mickey, and it's great to see. Um, the first one is from Peter Duffy. Very much half-class full this week. Um, really? Yeah, and I, I know he had plenty of glassfuls last night, and I think even managed to return for Simonstown training this morning from a trip um, uh, northwards, shall we say. I don't think uh, Mr. Duffy Sr. was all too for that, but he just said, great to have Newman back. Yeah, look, it is. Um, Mickey Newman, as you said, he brings something different to the table. Um, brings all the experience and the know-how um, that he's gained over the last number of years. And Davey, you know, it's less than it's, it's less than seven months, eight months since we did an interview with him, yeah. you know, announcing his retirement and for him to be back. And, and he, he announced his retirement at the time because he didn't feel that the operation would, would let him come back and, and, and make it back onto a county panel. But he has done some amount of work to build up his body again and get it back in the shape that it's in so that he can play county football and credit to the man. Yeah, absolutely extraordinary, Mickey. We won't we won't dwell on these, but I'll, I'll, I will read them out because they're sort of echoing that. But Eddie Kirby said, good to see Newman back. Robert Cox in Extra Time Sports says the return of Mickey Newman and that point in reference to that one from play, which he curled over. Um, Deck F. Dunn said Mickey Newman return and James Conlon could be starting in the next match, good impact from Banty Conlon at the weekend yeah, as well, yeah. Mickey. Four, four points as well, wasn't it? Yeah, same as Mickey. Three, three frees and one from play as well. Um, Joe McQueen, he says, great to have Mickey Newman back. Have to go and beat Kildare now. Yeah, have to go and beat Kildare now. You know, like, um, and the game on Sunday or today, whenever you're listening to this, um, was a chance for Andy McIntyre to experiment and give players game time and rest players for the semi-final. So, It'll be all all guns blazing now for a semi-final. Yeah, the Mickey the Mickey Newman love in continues with Anne-Marie McKenna saying, great to see Newman back. Leo Weldon follows that up by saying, class from Newman, good showing from the Banty too. Half back line left, full back line, very exposed. You answer that one, Davey. You were, you were there at to see that in, in the flesh. Yeah, it was it was a very different half back line, Mickey. In fairness, you know Shane McAtee, who's always at six, wasn't there. Donald Kyogen, who's been the heartbeat of the Mead team for the last ten plus years, wasn't around. Um, you had Brian Conlon slotting in at centre half back. Colic, he was the only one to keep his position from last week. And Dougie Dillon came in as well on the other wing. So very much a a, a kind of um, inexperienced half back line as well, playing against a very strong Mayo half forward line. On Twitter, Breen Condon was down to start at midfield, so he he, he didn't play midfield. No, he, he did play at, at centre-half back with Jack Flynn, who was named at six. He went to midfield, so the two lads just kind of swapped around. There was a lot of positional changes as well, which we'll probably talk about on our Loud <laughs> Rides podcast. It was, uh, it was a bit of a minefield, to be fair, but we got there in the end. Um, next question in is from Jack Walsh, big Jack Walsh, and he said, Vinnie Pert, back to Dundalk. It could very well happen. Um, it could very well happen. Um, do I care? <laughs> Sorry, Walshy. Sorry, Walshy. But um, um, yeah, look, look. Um, they need a manager there at the moment, don't they? 
Yeah, I think Jimmy Jilton is uh, filling the berth there at the moment, but Dundalker in real turmoil. And I'm not sure if Vinnie Perth would be the answer because it didn't really go that well the first time around, but however. Um, Jimmy Jilton doesn't have his uh, FIFA badges, so, you know, he, he's only... No, he's only... Does Jim and Jilton? No, you're thinking of the ex Gio Giovinco. The, the yeah, but he did. didn't. But I don't think Jilton. Well, oh, does he not? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm sure maybe. the last I heard that Jimmy McGuinness has been eyed up for it as well. So who knows what's happening in the dark? Yeah, like, like I'll tell you one thing: they'd be very. They, they, they wouldn't let in goals in. No, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't score any either, though. <laughs> um, Killian O'Sullivan, who had a rest uh, today, but he's he's been very active on Instagram, let me tell you, Mickey. Um, he said, uh, Joey uh, Tri... I can't say his name. Tribiani. Um, Tribiani. What's his... Uh, Matt uh, LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc, who's been doing the rounds, obviously, on Twitter for the weekend. He said, seen at a game, potentially a new selector. <laughs> Brilliant, Killian. Ah, yeah, yeah. You know, he looks like one of those selectors. You know, the one, the ones that just yeah, that that picture of him at the moment, uh, or yes. the two pictures, one standing and then the other one sitting down. He does look like that. We'll say, we'll say, you've got a management team of a manager and four selectors, and the fourth selector yeah. is the is the man from the club. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, he looks exactly like that club selector that had to be put on to the management team, and he just sits there and smiling, and then. He'd stand up and he'd put the hand on the. Uh, he he on, does on his talking up. in the pub after the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I wouldn't have had him playing. Yeah, no, no. I I don't. I have no say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, the next one up is from Paul Munley, and he said Breen Conlon's uh, new headwear. Didn't see this, Davy. Uh, talk about. It. Uh, he he had a new sort of cap that he was sporting just to protect him from the sun, which was like really beaming down. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was something that you know he's he's probably a fair enough guy, so probably a bit more exposed to the sun than a like few a rug- other guys. A, a, like a rugby skull cap type thing. Not, not a skull cap, more of a sort of um, more of a sort of kipper. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, Mickey. I didn't get close up to, to really so have a look we, at it. So we have a new man with the cap on the mid team, yes, basically. Exactly. Yes, there we go. New Peter McDermott, exactly. Yeah. Um, one more from Killian O'Sullivan, and he said Sean Duggan brought into the squad during the week. Well, <laughs> you know, and, and this is the result a hammering from Mayo. Um, you know, like Sean Duggan. He's to get his priorities right there at this stage, coming into a squad at that stage of a of a league campaign. He should have been doing the work before Christmas. Yeah, and uh, the fact that Mead stayed up uh, the night before the game as well in Mayo probably doesn't reflect well uh, for Sean Duggan. Um, but yeah, he's getting ready for the Duggan Derby against Dunchoclin in a few weeks. Ben from Dunchoclin and Sean from Manalvi, huge clash there. It'll be it'll be a really yeah. good one to, to That'll watch. That'll be a ba- the battle of the dugouts. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, definitely from Sean's point of view. Ben, I'd imagine, will probably play Let's probably start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Andrew Munley is next in, and he said, as a Mayo fan, should Mead not try their best 15 against the team in the top four or five in the country? Well, look... There, there's pros and cons to that, of course, and and then you can you can you can fight for that argument or you can fight against it. And I suppose the way you got to look at it is how important was that game, um, in comparison to your next game. Mm, and uh, you go in gung ho with your whole squad. 
you take a few injuries, you know, lads maybe get cramped up from, from the high intensity in that weather and then have muscle injuries for the next week or two or whatever. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you, even, even, even Mayo didn't put out their strongest team. Like, so, you know, they're just a few years down the line ahead of me at the moment. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Mickey. I really do, because that was Mead's third game in 14 days, yeah. right? And I think having the opportunity to not just give lads a rest, but also to give guys football that they probably wouldn't have otherwise got had there been something riding on that game. Um, I think it, it sort of works both ways. I think the result is sort of academic. It would have been nice to beat Mayo, don't get me wrong. Is it important in the grand scheme of things? Not really, you know. And, 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 and we'll say they went with their full squad. Would they have got to see the likes of uh, Mickey Newman going in there and putting on a display or uh, Banty Condon, would he have been able, given the chance, to go in and give the display he gave? There's, you know, these players are going to get a boost of confidence from going into that kind of an environment and uh, and they've given the management something to think about as well. So I think it was an ideal time to give players some game time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Adam McDonnell is next in and he asked where was Ronan Ryan? And I just said to him he was in Castlebar because I had a great chat with him before the game. So that's where he was last seen. Um, <laughs> obviously, no, another man that 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 enjoyed a rest um, wasn't even togged out. So, you know, he'll be getting ready for two weeks time um, where he'll no doubt be in the, in the shake up for a starting berth. Yeah, that's it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm probably a lot of people will be questioning, oh, what, where was this word? It was purely tactical from from Andy Mack, just resting players. The next game is our big game. Yeah. Um, Eamon McDonnell has followed that up by saying, Ronan Ryan's new whip. Go on, tell me. Yeah, I had a look at it. Um, and I was like, oh my God, uh, who's who's sponsoring him? And I actually sent him a text and I said, geez, I meant to say it to you. Lovely, but he says, cheers, lad, but it's my mom's. <laughs> so, Spon- sponsored by Mammy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair play to her, though, for giving him the, the keys of the car to head off to, to Mayo with it, you know. Um, lovely car to be driving down the... Uh, down the country, uh, a beautiful Jeep. Um, next one in is from JP Purcell, and he said, surely Jason Scully starts the next game. What do you think, uh, David? I'm a big fan of Jason Scully. He was taken off just after half time, was he? Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I do find, and he won't like me probably saying this, but I do find he normally has a bigger impact when he comes Coming on off against. the bench. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, at sometimes players are just better like that. Now, obviously, he'll want to be a player and he'll have high aspirations to be a player that has an impact for me from the start. But until such a time that he actually can, you know, really justify that, I think having that ability to come on and influence a game off the bench is invaluable. And it's been what Mead have been relying on for the last, what, 24 months, maybe? Yeah, and he's 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 still relatively young on that panel. Yeah. Um, and has only come into that panel recently. So this thing of, you know, building his confidence by coming on and having a huge impact in games over a period of time, giving him more time and then releasing him at the start of a game. You know, it's a it's it's a it's a stepping stone process. And I think Scully is a fantastic player with a huge, huge future. If you yeah, absolutely. Um, Tom O'Connor's next in and he said result wasn't ideal but great to get starts and game time into a lot of lads onwards and upwards yeah exactly I think Tom is on the same uh, page as me and yourself you know disappointing result there's no doubt about it but nobody likes losing but 
we managed to get eight fellas who hadn't uh, got much game time or had no game time onto that field of play today to give the management more options going forward. Yeah, Andy Carry in Carry On Sport has followed that up by saying a lot of new faces. Yeah, as in a lot of lads, again, who, who hadn't had game time this year um, uh, getting game time today. So again, that's that's that can only bode well for the, for the team. And again, the knock-on effect of that is the players that weren't playing, that will be playing in a couple of weeks' time, got a rest. Jamie Flaherty said, Mayo's ability to get their kickouts away so easily needs looking at before the championship far too easy. David, you take that one. Yeah, I think so, Mickey, because when I looked down through the stats, Mayo did win the vast majority of their kickouts and they comprehensively, um, I suppose, outfielded me in that respect. Um, were they short kickouts or was it a case of they were long kickouts and we were outfielded? There were more long kickouts than short kickouts okay. on both ends, definitely. And relevant to what we've seen in recent weeks. Um, and again, look at Mayo had a strong side out with big, experienced men in the middle of the field, the likes of Matthew Ruan, Jeremy O'Connor. You said it, Aidan O'Shea came on in the second half. And yeah, I, I think he's right. I, I do think that's something that Andy will definitely look at to try and win more ball, primary possession from kickouts and opposition kickouts as well. Because these are which Mayo not just won the kickouts, but also got into scoring positions will definitely be a concern relevant to what Mead had to do to earn their scores, if you're with me. Yeah, yeah. Well, like again, when you move into that uh, end of the football spectrum where you're playing against the Division 1 teams, and Mayo really are at this stage a Division 1 team. They were just unlucky to be relegated last year. When you look at the likes of Mayo um, and those top teams, they do put high presses on, so they make you go long. Um, and then they do have their banks of four across the midfield and they usually have four big men um, in there. So you, that is something that you will see with the with the higher end teams that most kickouts will go long. So yeah, it's something we'll have to adjust to. Brian Flynn uh, next in and he said a few places up for grabs the next day. Yeah, well, there definitely is. Um, and there's a few players who put their hand up and said, look, I should be considered for the game against Kildare. Sure. Um and I think that leaves us with just one final uh, Instagram. No, I'm wrong. Sorry. There was a long one, which I have to revisit. Um, and it came in via Richie Quigley. And uh, I said to Richie, this must be the longest uh, Instagram interactive ever. So here we go. Disappointed we made so many changes and didn't feel our strongest regular 15 or at least close to it. We need to start winning games against teams like Mayo and gather momentum. Don't see the advantage of putting out an experienced team against a side we are trying to match or better in terms of competitiveness year in and year out. We should have gone for that game more, I think. The cross-eyed woman from Newport will be happy tonight. Again, look, uh, Richie, the, the, like, the, the, the structure, the bones of your what you're saying is that you want me playing against higher-end teams and going for games against higher-end teams. Um, if we go out there and we beat Mayo today and we take a load of injuries and we go into our semi-final, we would have ended up playing against who finished second? Was it Clare? Hey, we would have played Clare, yeah. We would have played Clare. Um, but if you're putting all your eggs in one basket just to beat Mayo, CR, and then hope that you get a good draw in the semi-final and win your semi-final, and 
and, and get back to Division One. But if you if you lose, if you win against Mayo today and lose your semi final, you're back playing Division Two football anyway next year. The semi final is the big one, and if we win against Kildare in our semi final, then yes, we will get six, seven games, seven games against that those top. Uh, teams that you're talking about and we'll have seven chances to put out our best team on a weekly basis instead of just the one chance today against uh, Mayo and hoping that you win your semi-final then I, I do see what he's saying but I think we have a better chance of doing that next year in seven games if we win our semi-final so the semi-final I just think was more important Richie. Yeah I think the, the bigger picture you're right Mickey that's ultimately what it's about and promotion and given some lads a well-earned rest, I think was paramount of it. And also, as you say, given lads a taste of intercounty football as well, that's obviously yeah. going to be important. Yeah, but like uh, you're exactly right. But if when you look at what Richie was saying, he was saying he wants us to be playing the top teams and and going for those top teams. And if we win our semi-final, we have seven of those games. Do you know what I mean? Like so. Uh, if we went out today and put out our best team against Mayo and beat them, but took a load of injuries and went into our semi-final and we were fecked then in our semi-final, you know, it would be, it'd be, it'd be a waste of time then, you know, so maybe put, take all of your eggs out of the basket today against Mayo and put them all into your semi-final and say, right, seven big games next year. That's what we're looking at. And then do what Richie is saying, go out to win every one of your, your games with your best team and your best foot forward. Yeah, absolutely. Final one, uh, thankfully more lighthearted than it is from the old reliable <laughs> enigma that is PS Tapes. Um, and he wants to know the best 99 in the county. Hard to beat Ross Cross, Kilberry possibly a distant second. Yeah, I don't, he, he, like, he asked the question and then he answered it. It was a rhetorical question. Um, yeah. Ross Cross is by far and away the most unbelievable ice cream in the county. And like, you know, like they're the Dublin of the the, the, the Dublin team of the championship in ice creams. There's there's nobody gets close to them, you know, and everybody else is trying to get up to Ross Cross's level, but they're struggling. They really yeah. are because the ice creams in Ross Cross, there really should be a queue down the M3 coming off there at Kilmessen, at the Kilmessen exit. The whole time. There should be a queue the whole way out to Ross Cross for ice creams there because they're just incredible. Really yeah, Sean, Sean, Sean McDonough's, McDonough sorry, has followed that up by sending me the location for Curran Isle filling station with the number on the Google Maps location. And he said, honestly, the best and biggest ice creams in Mead. Try it, you won't be disappointed. Where is that now? Do you know Curran's? Do you know on the, on the main road? That's it. That's that's yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. one. That's what I'm saying. He's sending yeah. us the location, and the- oh, he doesn't, he doesn't need to send me the location. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I would tell you, I'm a regular in there. <laughs> literally, Ross Cross ice creams will be the death of me. So the way <laughs> Peter Duffy has been in touch though, and he said Kilberry is the best. To be honest, but Duffy knows nothing. Jesus, yeah. he's probably still drunk from the weekend, so he is. Yeah, from his trip across the the, the border, so he is. He's probably still suffering. But there's no way. Look, Kilberry is good. Don't get me wrong. I have tried them out there and they are good. Um, but Ross, 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 I, do you know what? We're going to have to ask our, our listeners on um, uh, across Instagram, maybe, where is the mm. best ice, ice creams? And then when we do our little trip during the summer, Davey Rispin, we could, uh, we, we, we could do a little taste test. 
Yeah, absolutely. Another one here, and fairness, Lauren Gorman's got in touch, and this is a good shout. She says, not a 99, but Suhan's ice cream sundaes are top-notch. That's Suhan's and Trim opposite the Super Value. Really, really good ice cream in there, Mickey. Is this the homemade ice cream? Is it, is it an ice cream parlour? It is an ice cream parlour, yeah. Yeah, like, again, um, it's a completely different ice cream we're talking about. It's a different shark. It's a different film, Ted. <laughs> and on that note, uh, that is it from Instagram Interactive. <laughs> I think that's it from the, the podcast for this week. Remember, we... Are, no, Davey Rispin has some more before we for, before we say goodbye. Uh, you always ask me if I have any other business, Mickey, and <laughs> I always say no, Mickey, but this week I do, and... Uh, it's St. Bridget's uh, GFC in Balna Cree who are currently doing a fundraiser and they've given me a little bit of information to, to read out. St. Bridget's GFC are having a 24-hour walkathon running from 12 p.m. on June 26th to 12 p.m. on June 27th. This, is, this event is to fundraise involving the adult clubs, underage and juvenile teams, coaches, members and supporters of the club. The event is in order to raise funds for St. Bridget's GFC um, and to contribute to the developments on the grounds and the facilities. All support and donations are greatly appreciated by all, and donations can be made through the GoFundMe page. Make sure you follow St. Bridget's social media for all event updates. Um, he, she, uh, Ellen Burke, I think, or Ellen Blake, sorry, is the PRO, and she's followed it up by saying, you could tell them to keep an eye on our social media pages as well for a few well-known, familiar faces who will be supporting the event as well. I think Mickey Burke has done a video for them already. I've seen that uh, on social media earlier today. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And uh, a team that I have great fondness for is St. Bridget's Abandon Decree. I was, uh, I, I, I've been out there uh, traveling through Abandon uh, on in numerous times in the last couple of months. And I always stop at the pitch for some reason and have a look in through the gate, you know, the gate there along the road and uh, have a look in to see how the pitch is doing and whatever. So anybody who wants to, um, uh, to help with that fundraiser and, and, and throw a few bob their way, go to their social media pages and you'll find the GoFundMe page there for St. Bridges Ballinacree. And we wish them the very best of luck with that club fundraiser. Davey Westman, the only thing else that you want to bring to the podcast this week? Not a thing, Mickey. <laughs> okay, well, remember, we are me. Why? It matters more. <laughs>